Hello, this is Andy Cates, Senior Economist at Haver Analytics, and welcome to this latest edition of our weekly podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Tian Yong Wu, a brilliant economist from our Singapore office. Uh, we have three items on the agenda. Um, firstly, we're going to look back and assess recent global macro and market developments. Secondly, we're going to assess the recent flare-up of instability in the Middle East. Uh, and then to wrap things up, we're going to discuss the week ahead and look at some of the big events, meetings, and data points that are coming up over the next few days. Just a reminder before we kick off that all of the views that we express on this podcast are our own. They are not the views of Haver Analytics. So, Tian Yong, thank you for joining me. Um, let's start just, just with a, a brief recap so over the last few days, um, we've seen some further pushback in financial markets to the idea that central banks might initiate easing cycles in the immediate months ahead. Uh, specifically, several Fed and several ECB policymakers have expressed doubts about early interest rate reductions and some stronger than expected CPI data from the UK and some pretty feisty retail sales data from the US, at least relative to expectations, have, have probably reinforced those doubts. One of the common elements of the latest data flow in, in most major economies has been the resilience of wage inflation uh, amidst um, still sturdy labour market activity. Uh, and until we see further evidence of a deceleration in those indicators, uh, it may be premature to bank on an early pivot toward looser monetary policy. But let's now turn to Asia, um, where we've also seen the usual smattering of monthly data from China, as well as a Q4 GDP release. Uh, and last weekend, of course, also saw the results from the presidential election in Taiwan. So, Tianyong, what's, what's your take on these? Thank you very much for the question, Andy. And hi, everyone. This is Tianyong, economist at Haver Analytics. Indeed, it has been a really busy week uh, data-wise for China, with real GDP growth having improved to 5.2% year-on-year in Q4 to bring overall growth for the last year to 5.2% as well. With that said, Analysts were probably eyeing slightly better numbers, with some now calling for more stimulus to prop up growth. Recent messaging by Chinese government officials, however, signal that large-scale stimulus seems unlikely for now. So with the growth-related numbers aside, what is also interesting is that China has resumed the publication of its youth unemployment figures by using now a modified methodology. China's new youth unemployment rate measure, which excludes students, came in at 14.9% for December. To add some context, the old measure, which includes students, came in at a record high of 21.3% previously in June, before its discontinuation. Zooming out, China also revealed that its population shrank for a second straight year in 2023, once again underscoring the longer-term challenges it faces as its population ages further. And yes, there is also the recent Taiwan presidential elections, which concluded with the victory of Lai Qingde who is formerly the vice president of Taiwan. For context, Lai hails from the Democratic Progressive Party, which has historically had a less friendly relationship with the mainland uh, when compared to opposition party Kuomintang. On this note, there remains much to watch on the geopolitical space regarding Taiwan and China. Apart from the key issues in Asia, are there any issues that have caught your attention lately, Andy? Yes, as I mentioned up front, clearly the latest flare-up of instability in the Middle East is grabbing a lot of headlines and, and unsettling many investors. Um, Houthi forces seem now more intent to attack non-Israeli vessels, and that, of course, is threatening to choke off key shipping routes, raise the cost of goods transportation and, and gum up 
global supply chains more generally. Uh, the key question then is how concerned we should be about this and is there any evidence yet uh, to suggest that this poses meaningful risks to the global economic outlook? In our Charts of the Week publication that accompanies this podcast, um, arguably the bottom line from the data um, is that, that we shouldn't be too concerned, uh, at least not yet. Uh, it's certainly true that we've seen a big collapse in the volume of trade that's traversing the Red Sea. Um, but we've yet to see meaningful increases in energy prices and most notably in, in oil or natural gas. And partly perhaps because of that, uh, we've yet to see big spikes in classic gauges of global shipping costs. This week's regional manufacturing surveys from the US, which cover the month of January, uh, didn't really contain any evidence either to suggest that global supply chains are being choked off. So it's early days, um, but uh, at least so far, there's not that much evidence uh, for concern. Um, it, it goes without saying though, that these indicators will need to be watched pretty closely in the coming weeks, not least if this geopolitical instability um, continues to climb. So let's turn now to the week ahead and, and focus on some of the key points of interest for markets over the next few days. Uh, let's start with Asia. What, what's of note uh, in your neck of the woods, Tianyong? Thank you, Andy. For Asia, it's looking like quite a busy week with a raft of interest rate decisions uh, scheduled to be announced. For starters, China will decide on its loan prime rates on Monday. It is unclear if any rate cuts will occur, given that China's central bank had already opted to keep its one-year medium-term lending facility rate unchanged earlier in the week. The focus will likely then shift on Tuesday to the Bank of Japan as it delivers its first rate decision of the year. While the central bank is seen likely to maintain policy settings coming out of its meeting, it would be interesting nonetheless to spot any hints at monetary policy normalisation. We also have the Central Bank of Malaysia deciding on policy, but on Wednesday, with the bank expected to leave its policy rate unchanged as well. Otherwise, we're looking at a deluge of January PMI releases on Wednesday, South Korea's Q4 GDP showing on Thursday, and several inflation and trade-related releases scattered throughout the week. What's in store outside of Asia, Andy, and in the US and Euro more specifically? So in the US on the data front, uh, the preliminary Q4 GDP numbers uh, are going to be in focus uh, next um, Thursday. Uh, and we have the December core PCE data to look out for um, a week on Friday. Uh, on the political side, uh, we have the New Hampshire Republican primary um, to watch next Tuesday. And staying in North America, Canada sees its first interest rate decision of the year next Wednesday where policy settings almost certainly are going to remain unchanged. Uh, staying with monetary policy, but turning to Europe, the ECB's rate decision to be announced next Thursday will likely be the region's key focus next week. Policy settings seem almost certain, uh, again, to remain on hold. Um, but clearly, the post-meeting press conference comments uh, are going to be scrutinised closely. On the data front, uh, we have the regional preliminary January PMI readings uh, and the January IFO survey. Um, from Germany to look out for as well. So let's leave it there for today. Thank you, Tianyong. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening in. Um, further analysis on these issues can be found in our latest Charts of the Week publication. Uh, and Tianyong has written on Australia in his latest economic letter from Asia. Otherwise, if you have any questions about our service, please contact your sales representative. <laughs>